Welcome to Flippin' Awesome Coaching, a podcast designed for athletes who love a challenge and want to see just how far they can really go. I'm your host, Amy Twiggs, and the podcast starts now. Okay, so we have Rebecca Moore joining us today for our podcast, and I'm so excited because I just have to give a brief little um, background on how I met you. I was at a camp this last summer for athletes, and I and Rebecca was taking I was taking care of the sports performance side of it, um, as far as the clinics and the trainings that way. And Rebecca was taking care of all the health and nutrition, and she's a, a nutritionist, a dietitian. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> for, for athletic teams um, at LSU. So I'm going to let Rebecca, we are so glad you're here, and I'm so glad that she's willing to do this for us because she has so much great information um, to share with us. So I'm going to let her introduce herself, and we will go from there. Does that sound good? Perfect. Yes. No, thanks for having me. Um, so yes, background on me, I'm from Iowa originally, so I'm a Midwest girl. But then I lived in Utah for six years. So I did my undergrad at Southern Utah University, um, got a major in nutrition, minor in chemistry. And then I did my master's up at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City. And I got a master's degree in dietetics with an emphasis in sports. Um, so still did all of my you know, clinical rotations and all that, but then got to do some sports on top of that. And then after I finally graduated, <laughs> I did a year-long fellowship at um, the University of Kansas. So I was a full-blown dietitian, but just kind of getting experience for a year. And um, at the time, they only had one um, full-time dietitian there, though. So I actually had half the athletes as, like, my first mm -hmm. ever job. That's so, so great. I was a little crazy, but it was really good. Just kind of throw me in the deep end. Yeah. Um, it's the best way to learn. Yeah. And then um, for a year and a half now, I've been one of the full-time sports dietitians at LSU. Um, so that encompasses a lot. We have fueling stations that we run. We're ordering meals for athletes. Um, you know, whenever they travel, we're kind of writing menus as far as, okay, this is what you can order off of. Um, doing a whole lot of individual consults. So that can look like anything from just meeting the new freshmen and making sure that they're figuring out how to feed themselves now that mom is not cooking, oh um, all the way up to really super detailed meal plans as far as like, okay, on a workout day, this is what you should be doing. On an off day, this is what you should be doing. Um, I do some of the body composition testing. So we have something called a DEXA machine mm -hmm. at LSU that um, measures not only body fat percentage, but also bone mineral density. So just how strong your bones are. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously very important, particularly for some of our female sports. So I do some of that testing and then meeting with athletes and kind of saying, okay, here are your numbers. And then this is kind of what it, what's telling us. Um, and on my end, you know, what you should be doing and then communicating with the strength coach and the, you know, actual sport coach um, on kind of getting the best care for that athlete. Yeah. Lots of one-on-one -on -one consults. Like I said, um, I have six of my own teams that I'm in charge of. So oh, I, I do <laughs> gymnastics, which is what my sport was. Um, and then um, the whole track and field and cross country team, which feels like having four sports, but it's really one. <laughs> and then I have women's golf, men's golf, indoor volleyball, and beach volleyball. And then I help with football because everybody helps with football. <laughs> enough <laughs> for them. The SEC. <laughs> <laughs> they need help, right? Those football players. There's just a whole lot of them. <laughs> I used to have a shirt that said, if gymnastics was easy, we call it football, but don't tell the football players I yeah, said Yeah, no, I won't wear that anytime soon. I, I'm not big <laughs> enough to wear that shirt. <laughs> That's true. You're pretty short and little. 
<laughs> I remember I always felt so proud wearing that around my football player friends, but you know, oh, it's one of those younger days when you don't feel like that you have this nerve that sometimes you just don't have anymore when you're older. But yeah. okay, so awesome. I'm super excited. You have so much going on and I'm not quite sure everything that I want to focus on, but it will just blow well. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that, that one of the things that I was telling you, I, I, uh, heard this week is mm -hmm. that a lot of people will set these goals and I'm sure athletes do too as far as their performance levels they have these goals and typically they last about two weeks like the high the adrenaline <laughs> high the excitement of the goal mm -hmm. lasts about two weeks and then it starts to slip a little bit and then as it slips we get that compound effect where everything just kind of starts like wait what happened I know like you said that when you when they leave mom then you teach them how to eat right because I yeah. when when I left home we had kind of the same routine at home. When I got to college, I did gain those 15 pounds. Yeah. And I read that when, when you, 95% uh, of injuries has to do with the nutrition and health that yeah. in college sports. And so I did tear my a ACL my freshman year. Mm -hmm. And looking back uh, when I read that report, I thought, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. My body wasn't used to having all this extra weight on it. Yeah. Right. So tell me, um, I just threw a lot at you. How about if we go with the idea that after two weeks, Mm -hmm. kind of have a tendency to start being like, all right, that goal is a little bit big. Maybe I don't really want to do all that. I'm good enough. I mean, I can, I can play at this minimum baseline level and everybody's mm -hmm. happy with that. What do you, what are your thoughts yeah. on that nutrition? So finding things to measure and to pay attention to is super important for that. Um, because you're right. If it's, you know, an athlete or if it's just an individual who's maybe they're working on leaning out, um, maybe they're wanting increased energy levels, whatever their kind of big goal is, yeah. um, you got to notice a difference to get buy-in. So that's one thing for me as a dietitian, especially working with, you know, 18, 19 year olds. Yeah. Um, if they come to me and like, I have them go through kind of like a typical day in the life of food wise. And sometimes I write that down and I'm like, Oh my gosh, can I like change it all right now? <laughs> but you can't. So I try to pick something that I know um, that they're going to see a fairly immediate result because then they start getting that buy-in like, Oh my gosh, some traction. You might know what she's talking about. This might help me. Um, and then the so other thing, of those, what are some of those things that you offer that might give some traction right away where they feel yeah. like, Hey, this is actually working. I'm feeling more energy. Yeah, honestly, two of the biggest things that I see, like with my, with some of my lean out people who haven't have very little nutritional background and just haven't been educated yet, sugary drinks and nighttime snacking. Those are two of the biggest, like most recurring themes um, that if I can really help them tackle those right away, you know, if they're drinking a giant Starbucks caramel macchiato in the morning and then Powerade throughout the day because someone told them that that was necessary to be an athlete mm -hmm. and then you know juice at supper and all this stuff and then if they're getting to you know college and maybe they're starting to drink some like it's if you can cut that out <laughs> and get them back to pretty much you know water milk sometimes some crystal light here and there because I know water gets boring you can see a massive difference in two to three weeks and then they come back and they're generally a little bit more willing to tackle some other part mm -hmm. of their diet that, that they need to work on. When I say the word diet, I just mean what you eat. Mm -hmm. Diet to me is not like, okay, I'm going to do Atkins. Diet is simply what you eat. So Everybody's after to that, word. That. <laughs> that word diet is such a scary word to people. I'm like, yeah. it just means your food plan. What do you eat? Yeah. What's a diet? 
Right. So find something that's measurable. Okay. So maybe, you know, your big goal is in the new year is to lose 10 pounds or whatever it is. You may not immediately see a a change on the scale, right? So find other things. Um, Some people will do like circumference measurements. Um, Some people will do, you know, just a general jotting down in their notebook of like, okay, what, what did my energy levels feel like this afternoon? You know, they used to crash and now they're feeling better. Um, how's your sleep? Sometimes when you start eating better, you start sleeping better. Those two things are very, very correlated. Um, so find things that you can like see small victories to help keep that motivation going. Um, I mentioned kind of the, the scale not going down, especially a lot of times people will <laughs> in on their health journeys, they try to start eating better and they start working out at the same time. Mm-hmm. If you're gaining muscle, your scale weight might not be going down, but your body composition is getting better. I see this all. That's one reason I love doing those DEXA scans on my athletes because uh-huh. I get, I, most of my coaches are pretty good now, but I still, you know, you run across the people that are super old school and they just care about weight and they don't even, you know, body composition isn't really in their normal vocabulary that they're used to thinking about. Mm-hmm. And so I've been able to show, you know, people that these super world-class athletes you know, actually gained weight during a period of time where they were excelling at their sport, mm-hmm. but their body composition got better. They just put on a massive, you know, com- for someone who's not an athlete anymore, what would be considered a massive amount of muscle. And also, and sometimes they'll lose a little bit of fat mass too at the same time. Um, but, you know, obviously the scale is not telling us that. So find other ways of measuring it besides just a weight. Okay. And then another thing I would say, don't weigh yourself more than once a week. I meet all these people that step on the scale every single morning and there's so much that affects weight, whether it's, you know, your hydration level, not to be graphic, but like the last time you went to the bathroom, if you're constipated, you're going to be like, you know, up three or four pounds compared to where you normally are for women time of the month. So don't let that be your end all be all and don't weigh yourself more than once a week. Cause otherwise you're just going to get frustrated. You want to look at trends and not just like, you know, one day's higher, one day's lower. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I actually tell my mo- my moms to step on the scale every single day only because because the scale means nothing and the number on it means no- nothing. I just want to see where their thoughts are because if they think that they're mm-hmm. not good enough as a person because of the number on the scale, then what does that have to do in every area of their life? So mm-hmm. I, I, I totally see what you're saying, the once a week yeah. because your body does fluctuate with all these other things. And yeah. because I work more on the mind of it, I want right. to, the mind is about them as a person, as a human. So I mm-hmm. totally see both of it. It depends yeah. on what you're looking at, but I love that. I have a couple of questions right. now. Mm-hmm. Not what you were saying. You said number one, well, two questions here. Number one, that the, two of the ways to get traction right away is to look at what you're drinking throughout the day and that we mm-hmm. have this idea that you should be drinking these sports drinks to be an athlete. You should be having all these electrical, electrolyte replacement drinks. Yeah. And when you said to kind of try to move it to water and have a little bit of milk every once in a while, there's... Number one, there's these shoulds that people have that they have these Mm -hmm. myths that if you are an athlete, you should be doing this and this and this, which sometimes I don't know that we can always assume that works for every athlete. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's definitely some sports that are more aerobic than anaerobic and so need those replacements. But when you said a little bit of milk, I wondered about the um, the dairy products. Is that a, a factor? Some I've heard this is all like hearsay from people, nutritionists that I've had, that there's different concepts. As far as dairy goes, dairy products, does that tend to be a problem too? When you said a little bit of milk sometimes, I just was curious. Honestly, it depends on the person. Right. So if, you're, if you tolerate dairy well, go ahead. 
Yeah. Um, it, it depends on, again, what your goals are in the individual athlete. So if you tolerate dairy, dairy well and you're just trying to maintain, or especially if you're trying to gain weight, I'm all about drinking milk. Because at that point, I want you drinking healthy calories. So I have some athletes who drink whole milk multiple times a day, and I love that for them. If you're trying to lean out, you know, you might not want to be drinking milk all the time. And then obviously I have those athletes who are either lactose intolerant or dairy, you know, allergies that obviously we're avoiding all of this. But no, in general, I'm totally fine with that. Um, just for like, you know, general population and you kind of ask me to gear towards, you know, people with New Year's resolutions, all those types of things. I wouldn't, for an adult, I wouldn't have that as like an everyday thing. Um, there's a lot of other ways that you can get calcium sources. And as long as your bone density is in, in a good place, you, you don't need to be consuming a ton, a ton of calcium. Tell us a couple other calcium sources. Just for Besides people. dairy? Mm -hmm. So that's the one that you're going to absorb it from the best. Um, honestly, like sardines is a source because of the little tiny bones that are in there. But most <laughs> people are going to have that. So if you, if you are... There's so many fortified foods though now, so you can get orange juice fortified with calcium. You can get, you know, the soy milks, the almond milks, all those types of things are generally fortified at this point. Okay. Um, so if you're using a dairy alternative, you're, you're pretty much going to reach your calcium goals. Okay. I was curious about that. The other attraction you said is nighttime snacking. I remember when I was an athlete, that was one of the things my nutritionist told me. She goes, stop eating Lucky Charms at yes. 10 o'clock at night. Like, but I love Lucky Charms. I never had these growing up. These are the best. I, I didn't even know what Lucky Charms were I until I got to college. And they had these, you know, containers. I would take three bowls into my room with a little container. Oh, yeah. And I would just have my three bowls of Lucky Charms. And I was honest. I would write it on my food log. Yeah. Like, okay, we have a problem with your nighttime snacking. And it was the Lucky Charms. Yeah. So yeah. you said that was one of the other big things if you want to gain traction, right? Yeah. So people who are trying to lean out, um, if anyone ever tries to tell you that eating late at night makes you gain weight, that's actually false. Okay? It's about overall calories. It's, but at nighttime is generally when people are home food is available mm -hmm. and they're doing something mindless, whether it's watching a movie or you've got Netflix on or even just like reading a book or studying. So um, people's habits are generally to grab the entire bag of whatever they're snacking on and put it next to them. And then they just do this. And before they know it, you know, the whole bag of chips are gone. So if you're trying, if you're working on leaning out, what I usually tell my athletes, you got to figure out when you're actually hungry and when you're just bored. So if you're actually hungry, I want you to eat a snack. You should never be feeling hunger and just like ignoring that, okay? That is not going to lead to success. Mm -hmm. So if you're actually hungry, you're working on leaning out, I, I usually recommend, um, you know, a small protein-rich snack because that's going to fill you up and it's going to keep you full, okay? But how is it you those? Because people think that means meat. Yeah. And I don't think- Not necessarily. So some of my athletes will do like turkey roll-ups or they'll do like ham with pickles, um, like a little container of Greek yogurt is great. Um, hard boiled eggs is a great one for the, my athletes sometimes will prep ahead of time and like to keep in their fridge beef jerky or like a turkey jerky. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are all good, like portion controlled, um, high protein snacks that you could have in the evenings. And are then I have those athlete, yeah, pardon? Are there any vegetables that have protein in them that you feel like, Hey, if you don't really, if you're not, no, there's no vegetables. Okay. What about like beans? They could have some, some yeah, right? no, like, absolutely. So if you have someone who's a vegetarian, you can obviously adjust that. You can have a soy yogurt. You can do, you know, all sorts of, they have really great vegan protein powders now that you can stir into, you know, a non-dairy based yogurt. You can do things like that. Okay. Um, okay. I don't have very many vegetarian athletes. Okay. Um, which is helpful because it's, <laughs> 
it's what they need to be eating already is kind of difficult to just get it all in. And so when you start restricting whole food groups, nothing against being a vegetarian. But for my athletes, it can be a challenge. Mm -hmm. um, most of my athletes will at least eat um, fish and eggs. Okay. So that's helpful to get their protein sources because um, okay. their needs are so high. Um, but then the other side of that nighttime snacking, some people just need that hand-to-mouth action. <laughs> um, um, and so it. at that point, I recommend a different, a different kind of approach. So find something that you can do this a lot um, without a ton of calories. So that's when, you know, your raw veggies are a great option. The air popped popcorn, things like that, you know, to some degree, those like little pretzel flat out pretzel thins, you know, things like that. Um, you know, still you want to portion it out and not just grab the whole bag, but you get, you get to prolong the snack experience. <laughs> if that makes any sense. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, and they think, I think especially athletes who are up late at night trying to get the studying in because yes. their daytime is so full, mm -hmm. they have the classes and they have workout. And then there's just this window of time to get all the studying done. And I know yeah. that when I was an athlete, I just wanted to stay awake. And so I would eat to keep myself awake. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that Absolutely. wasn't necessarily because I needed it. Like you said, the difference between yeah. boredom or you just have to stay awake or you're actually hungry. Yeah. They're all very different. Mm -hmm. So I like that, that you can decide, hey, if I'm bored, maybe I just need something that's like veggies to, to yeah. in my, my habitual hand-to-mouth yeah. kind of action. Absolutely. I love it. Do you find that the seasonal, like this is, we're a season of winter right now. Do you find mm -hmm. that I'm a little bit, um, there's like that whole idea that when it's a little bit darker outside, you want to stay in with the comfort foods and it's a little bit harder to get the sunlight and the energy up if you're, um, during the winter months, has that been a problem at all? Or what do you suggest? Um, well, not a ton where I live right now because it doesn't get freezing cold. Um, it does get dark and dreary though. <laughs> it just rains all the time on us instead of getting snow down here in Baton Rouge. But, um, I think you just have to get creative. So you're right. In the winter times, people are generally a little less motivated for multiple reasons. One, you know, you get a little bit of that seasonal depression just because, oh, it's dark and it's cold. Um, and also you're a little bit, this sounds very vain, but you're further away from summer clothing. Yes. <laughs> okay? yes and that's a motivating factor for some people. You know, it's January. They're like, I don't have to have a swimsuit on until June. Like, <laughs> I'm going to sit here and I'm going to, you know, eat whatever their favorite thing is. Yes. Um, but if you're willing to really commit to it, healthy foods and exercise improve mood so much. Mm -hmm. So if you can kind of get over that little hump and make it a habit in your life, make it a lifestyle thing that like, okay, every day I've got to move. It's, you know, if it's freezing cold outside, you know, my mom goes and mall walks sometimes um, when it's really freezing cold. Cause you know, she doesn't have a gym membership. She'll go like occasionally to the community center and like use their little weight area. Right. But normally her thing is generally, you know, garden work in the summer. And she goes on walks down our road. Well, when it's five degrees, that's not going to happen. Right. So, you know, you got to adjust and go find, you know, something else to do. And then as far as just foods that kind of help boost moods, um, healthy fats. So things like avocados, fatty fish, nuts, peanut butters, olives, th those types of foods, and then fruits and vegetables. So think lots of color and healthy fats. Those generally help with mood boosting. Um, plus, just like on your side of things, generally, if you're working out and you're eating well, you're going to have a little better, better self-esteem. Just like, hey, look, I'm taking care of myself. This is awesome. Um, look at me go. So that, that generally helps. And then just setting kind of short-term goals instead of big picture, like, ooh, we're five months until I need to wear a tank top. 
Well, yeah. And the idea that you said, like, you can say, hmm, today I'm going to try to drink some more water instead of some more juice and Starbucks. Yeah. I'm going to try to just do this one thing. I can do one yeah, thing. Baby goals. Yeah, baby yeah. steps. Well, the other thing is we have these sneaky thoughts that are like, I'll start tomorrow. I'm five months out. Yes. And I look fine right now with my big sweatshirts and jackets. No, yeah. know what my weight <laughs> is right now, right? Yeah. We have these little thoughts like, I, I should do this, but I don't really have to right now. Yeah. So it's just like these little sneaky thoughts that pull in and keep us stuck mm-hmm. until, we're, until we're right before summer where we're like, oh, I should have done this. Yeah. And instead, you can just be like, no, I chose to do this because I was comfortable and it keeps you kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. So if you yeah, so two things along those lines. Yeah. Um, I like to have people's goals be completely under their control. Mm. So like you were talking about, you know, maybe I'm going to have green tea this morning instead of going to Starbucks. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, you know, I'm going to make sure that every single lunch and supper this week, I include a vegetable. Mm -hmm. Like that is totally under your control. Mm -hmm. And some of the goals that people mostly set, which would be, you know, more weight related. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's under your control, but also there's a lot of genetics that are going to play into that. Um, So a goal like I'm going to walk for 30 minutes, three days a week. Mm-hmm. You can make that happen. You either do it or you don't. That's mm-hmm. totally under your control. Yeah. So those, those things are good. And then um, I like to teach my athletes all the, what I call the 90-10 rule. So, because I always, again? The, what? the 90-10 rule. Okay. <laughs> 90%, 10%. So, you know, I get the questions all the time. You know, like, how often can I have a cheat meal? <laughs> That's the favorite it's question they have to ask me. Yeah, it's not about the healthy part. It's like, how often they can like I do They, like, want permission <laughs> to eat their, you know, bluebell ice cream is the thing down here. So that's where I came up with my 90-10 rule. So 90% of the time I tell them, you are an elite student athlete, and you have to live like it, and you have to make disciplined decisions because you have performance goals. You have things you want to accomplish in your life with no regrets, and you got to make it happen. So nutrition is part of that commitment. Yeah. And then 10% of the time, food is delicious and meant to be enjoyed. So yeah. enjoy it. Don't feel guilty about it. And then get right back to your 90%. So that's my big thing. You know, whether I'm working with, you know, a non-athlete on just weight loss, feeling better, whatever it is, or especially with my athletes, because they're generally a little bit more type A, um, mm-hmm. which can or cannot be a good thing, <laughs> depending yeah. on how far they take it. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's, that's kind of what I like to tell people. I will honestly, because <clears throat> I eat around our athletes sometimes, depending on the team, I will on purpose get dessert. Because some of them just need to like see the like perfect dietitian, mm-hmm. eat a piece of cake, mm-hmm. <laughs> and enjoy every bite of it. Yeah. And so you know, I'm trying to get them to understand that some of my athletes do well with like a tiny treat every day. Mm-hmm. That's just their personality. And some of them do really well with like one meal a week. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna eat whatever the heck I want, and then I'm gonna get right back on track. Yeah. So I tend to do more of like the one meal because I almost never eat out, but when I do. I just like part of me is a foodie and I just love trying new stuff and I live in the South right now and there's a lot of good food to be tried. (laughs) So, you know, during the week I'm meal prepping, I'm eating really well. And then, you know, maybe we've got a birthday dinner for somebody at work. I'm just going to order and it's going to be great. (laughs) Well, the beautiful thing about our brains, I, this is at least the way I I teach is if, if you can take control and your power back saying, no, I am choosing this. And because mm-hmm. I'm choosing this, I'm going to enjoy it and have, like you said, yeah. no guilt. Then we don't feel deprived. When our brain's like, wait, if you're not going to eat that, you better eat as much as you can right now before you stop eating that. Yeah. So then you binge on it instead yeah. of saying, you know what? Once a week, I'm going to eat whatever I want on that meal and I'm going to mm-hmm. enjoy it 100%. 
then yeah. you don't have that deprivation feeling and yeah. that feeling of I'm, I'm trusting <clears throat> it's terribly wrong here and mm -hmm. I need something and you're constantly salivating for the food that you can't wait to eat. Yeah. It's just a, Hey, on Friday night, anything I want, I will eat it on Friday night and enjoy that one meal. Yep. What is the, it? If you incorporate the 90, 10 rule, mm -hmm. your goals become sustainable. Mm. That's the biggest thing for me, because if you try to go a hundred percent, you're going to last two to three weeks and then you're going to hate it. And you're not going to try again for like another month because you're going to have to just like wash out from all your bad experiences that you just had. Yeah. But if you, if you have a little bit more of that moderation, then you're going to be able to do it and stick with it. Well, yeah. And we have an idea like that. The, the idea that from January 1st, most people stop doing their goals January 14th because yeah. they've been white knuckling with this willpower of this is going to be it. I can do yeah. it this time. And they get after two weeks, they're like, this is so lame. I'm so tired of this. It's boring. Mm -hmm. The motivation drops. I have no drive because, you know, I want to eat the food that I'm used to eating and I want to stay inside with my bowl of popcorn and watch TV a little bit. Yeah. And about <laughs> it. So let's just drop all the standards of what we thought on January 1st. And then you find that you're back to the old habits and the old weights instead of going, Hey, I can do this. Mm -hmm. And I can, like you said, sustainable, find a way that's sustainable for you that you can maintain long-term. Instead, the other thing that I've noticed is most of the time, this is out maybe it's with athletics too. I mean, I kind of look back on my athletic days, but most of the time we, we are pretty decent nine months. And then we, we decide that those three months of all the holiday breaks, all those mm -hmm. holidays that we can take a break too. Now yeah. all holiday breaks means it gives everybody permission. And if you don't eat the holiday food then there's something wrong with you, it's like the society norm that come yeah. on, it's just a pumpkin roll, you know, have a piece yeah. of pumpkin pie. This is what everybody's doing. Why won't you eat it? Yeah. Society also thinks that we're supposed to maintain a certain body type and body look and eat all the desserts you want all the time. So it's kind of this conflicting thing that's really difficult to, you know, manage in our minds sometimes. Mm -hmm. What about that? As far as the three months off, hey, take three months off and then get back on the bandwagon, even though there is yeah. a Just what you're saying is sustainable. Let's find a way that you can just right. make a 12-month plan instead of a nine-month or a two-week plan. Right. right. So, yeah, if, I mean, if people didn't, take the last three months off, they wouldn't have to start over on January 1st. Right. And they won't look back regretting, Hey, I know better. I could have kept this up, but then I let it go. And right. now, now I'm frustrated that I'm starting all over again. So in my world, my world doesn't revolve around really like the calendar. It revolves around in season, off season. So it's the same um, idea, but just with the seasonal. Right. Stuff. Absolutely. So, I mean, I tell my athletes all the time, cause you would think that off season was when they'd be like, Oh my gosh, yes, finally, I can do whatever I want. But honestly, that is for an athlete. That is when you want to make improvements. If you have actual improvements for that, you need to be like, if you need to gain muscle, if you need to be leaning out or, you know, maybe you're a football player who needs to put on 20 pounds, that's not going to happen during season. That happens in the spring and summer for them. Um, for gymnastics, you know, what most of, for most of my girls, my, my biggest goal for them um, starting at the end of season. So they end in May. Mm -hmm. I want them to take some time, let their bodies heal, take really good care of themselves. Summer is just about, you know, especially, you know, I've got the 22 year olds who are just kind of in pain all the time because that's what gymnastics does to you. <laughs> so I just want them to take care of themselves, get like mentally out of the gym, mm -hmm. you know, have a great summer, come back in, you know, about 80% of their awesome good shape when they come back to school to see me. A lot of them stay over summer too, but um, fall preseason to me is when you get in incredibly good shape. Mm -hmm. So I want them coming in back rested, feeling good, ready to go, get in really great shape all fall, 
And then I want them from like my perspective, from a body composition, from a health standpoint, I want them to like peak going into season. Mm -hmm. And then season is about maintenance. You start traveling, you start competing all the time. And it is almost impossible to make body composition improvements during season for any sport. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen a couple athletes do it successfully, a couple track athletes, but very, very rarely does that work. Um, so season is about maintenance, you know, as well as you possibly can. And then, you know, you start to cycle over. So that's kind of what my world looks like. Um, so I guess right after season is the time that I want them the most relaxed. <laughs> that makes sense. But they're still very aware of what they're doing because that you don't want yeah. them to be in the fall having gained five or 10 or 15 pounds. Yeah. You want them to no, be able absolutely. to kind of maintain a little bit over there too. If it's similar to everybody, you know, a lot of athletes, leave college and again we don't understand we have nutritionists during college and it's getting a lot mm -hmm. more clear on things that we could do during college as far as when i was in college but mm -hmm. the thing that i think is interesting is um is after college once we leave like once we leave our parents house it's a new realm mm -hmm. for nutrition once we leave mm -hmm. the college field then it's different again and there's people yeah. who you see these athletes these mm -hmm. coaches that become from athletes to coaches that all of a sudden they don't really know what to do with their body so mm -hmm. when you see maintenance time for the rest of us, we want to maintain for the rest of our life. We want that after after picture. Yeah. Forever. So what are right. some things that you would suggest to do the maintenance work on those of us who are athletes, right, during season, but also those mm -hmm. of us who are like forever trying to keep that after picture, right? Right. So I actually I offer to all my graduating seniors that they sit down and do a like life after sports consult with me before they graduate. Because mm -hmm. I lived that. And um, plus this is my field. So yeah. <laughs> honestly, I love working, you know, and some of them will still like text me occasionally and be like, Hey, can you help me with this? I'm like, sure. Why not? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I see that a ton, you know, and that's one of the reason I love college is because I get to take these 18 year olds who may have really, you know, untrue ideas about food or really bad habits or things that coaches, you know, told them as 12 year olds that are still messing with them. Right. And then hopefully by the time they graduate four years later, I've set them up to live a healthy life. But, um, you know, I talk plate building a ton with my athletes. And then um, again, you know, as they're graduating and kind of moving off. And so what I teach my athletes about what an off day is supposed to look like, I pretty much tell them that, okay, that's life after sports. You know, some of them will still continue to most of them hopefully continue to work out and you know do good things for their body but there you can't train 20 hours a week anymore mm -hmm. um like you somebody made you train 20 hours a week for the last four years right. <laughs> and now that's gone so you know as far as like what their calorie needs look like what their plate should look like composition wise carbs proteins fats fruits and vegetables mm -hmm. pretty much what i have been educating them on for their off days is what i want them to translate into um you know their corporate job or wherever they're going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the plate thing that you were saying? What, yeah. what the plate routine? Tell us what you do with that. Okay. So, I mean, the government has the, my plate. Um, yeah. I use a very different version of that, but that's kind okay. of in general, you know, athletes who, you know, I might have finance majors. I might have Spanish majors. They don't have any sort of chemistry background, nor do they want me to explain metabolism to them. That's not what they want. Yeah. You know, I occasionally get a kines major that wants to like sit down and know exactly, you know, what formulas I came up with to, uh, you know, calculate their caloric needs and why they need that much protein. And, yeah. <laughs> and those are fine, but those are also very rare. So um, they're good with visuals. 
this generation is good with visuals. Right. Oh, At least yeah. from what I've, I'm good with visuals. Yeah. So I just tell them to imagine their plate, and then I tell them how much of their plate should be each food group. Okay. Um, whether it's a training day, whether it's an off day. And then, you know, if I've got a weight gain football player, he needs to duplicate that into two plates because mm -hmm. that's not enough food for him. Mm -hmm. um, and then I do a lot of um, <clears throat> like either household objects or hand like measurements as far as portion sizes. Okay. So I will draw out plates for them. So say, you know, a typical, um, okay, we'll stick with the lean out example because I think that'll be applicable to more, more of your okay. listeners probably. Yes. Um, so if I'm drawing a plate for, you know, a lean out athlete and it's a training day, mm -hmm. it's going to be, hang on, I got to do this in front of me so I don't mess it up. <laughs> it's going to be about um, half fruits and vegetables and then a quarter lean protein and a quarter starchy carb. Okay. So that would be like sweet potato, potato, you know, rice, pasta, bread, wraps, corn, beans, mm -hmm. unless you're a vegetarian, a bean is a carbohydrate. Right. That's how my world rolls. <laughs> um, and so that's kind of, you know, a training day for them. You said okay? like a quarter portion of starch. A quarter of their plate. A quarter of the plate. Okay. Yeah. So, so look at your plate, mm -hmm. half fruits and vegetables. And then quarter. Quarter lean protein, quarter mm -hmm. starchy carb. And it's just one serving, one serving of each based on regular. Depends on, depends very much on the sport. Okay. You know, I've got 120 pound gymnasts and I have, you know, much larger track athletes. I have throwers, so yeah. <laughs> I've got, you know, the range. Right. Um, so, I mean, I guess I can give a gymnastics example. So, like, for a typical post-practice meal, right, I'm wanting a little extra protein in there. So, mm -hmm. a, a typical serving of meat is three ounces, which looks like a deck of playing cards. Okay. Post-practice, I tell them to get two decks of playing cards worth of meat. That's a pretty good-sized chicken breast, salmon, filet, whatever you want. Mm -hmm. um, and then again, it's going to depend on the person, but I usually do carbs and fistfuls. So mm -hmm. I'll tell them like, I want one fist of starchy carb on your plate. Uh -huh. Also people's hands correspond with their body size. So that helps with this whole situation. So like if I have a track athlete, I might tell them like, okay, I want a palms worth of protein or I want a hands worth of protein. Uh -huh. It's a big guy. His hands going to be way bigger. So that helps. That's one way that, you know, for my people who have zero background, nice. I tell them, okay, Get yourself a, you know, a hand's worth of protein, two fists of carb, and, you know, however much vegetable. So great. Um, so that's kind of what a training day would look like. An off day, I'm going to take the starchy carb out or at least bring it down to a little tiny wedge. So at that point, their plate is going to be half fruits and vegetables, you know, a decent amount of lean protein, and then, like, either none or just a little bit of the starchy carb. Carbs are not evil. <laughs> you need them. Nice. But – your protein needs and your fruits and vegetable needs are fairly constant mm -hmm. throughout the week. Okay. Your training looks like this. Mm -hmm. Your food should not look like this. You should exactly. be eating exactly the same every day. So okay? you're training up and down just for people who are just listening and not yeah. watching. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so your training is going up and down. Some days are really hard. Some days are off. Some days, you know, you just have a stretching session um, or rehab, whatever it is. So, yeah. One of the biggest things, and this goes with life after sports too, one of the biggest things I try to get my athletes to understand is that your nutrition needs to match your training. Mm -hmm. If people could wrap their heads around that in athletics and in real life, mm -hmm. like weight maintenance would become easy. Well, and I, you get carbs in, but, your, in your veggies and fruits. There's carbs in there. Easy, so especially like in your fruits. Yeah. So, but your starchy carb needs depend a lot on the amount of exercise that you're doing because that's the fuel for that exercise. Mm -hmm. oh. And if you have a hard training day, 
yeah. you know, maybe you train in the afternoons, um, or maybe it's after work. I need your lunch to have a fair amount of starchy carb in it because, and your breakfast, because that's prepping you for that practice. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards I want some too, because you need to replenish everything that you just had. Mm -hmm. You know, if your day is pretty much homework, um, and maybe like, you know, I don't know, walking to your favorite coffee shop to study, mm -hmm. you don't need that. Mm -hmm. Um, especially if you're trying to lean out because you have no exercise to fuel. Right. <laughs> so really that's what I try to teach people, um, is that kind of plate building mentality and then making their activity, they're making their nutrition match their activity. Okay. That helps a lot. But, and for those who are just, um, moms, stay at home moms, cause I also yeah. work with moms a lot. Then it sounds like the maintaining part. Think about your activity. If you're somebody who works out for an hour and then it's the same idea is if you're yeah. who just kind of gets a little bit of walk with your kids at the park, then that's probably more of a tiny wedge of starch with your fruits and veggies. Yeah. So it's the same idea. It applies to everybody. It sounds like. Correct. So really the principle behind that Proteins are going to help fill you up and keep you full, which okay. obviously makes it easier to make good, healthful food decisions. Mm -hmm. Also, it helps with muscle maintenance. Mm -hmm. um, even if you're not doing a ton of resistance training, you still need plenty of protein in your life. Same with the fruits and vegetables. You're going to get not only those vitamins and minerals for your immune health, but it's going to help you with your hydration. Mm -hmm. And it's going to give you fiber too, which is obviously very helpful for your digestive health. Um, and then, you know, you need some whole grain carbs here or there. Just have more of them on the days that you're working out than on the days that you're not. Um, and then healthy fats here and there yes, that's as well. That's, yes, absolutely. So that fats get a bad rap they do. just because it's a lot of calories and not a lot of space. Mm -hmm. Um, which is why when I have athletes trying to gain weight, I, they're eating a whole lot of, you know, mixed nuts and, <laughs> and uh, um, you know, avocados and things like that, but it needs to be in everyone's diet. Okay. You need fat in your diet. Um, number one, it helps you absorb some vitamins and minerals. Um, you need fats for some of those to absorb correctly. You need them for hormone production. Um, you need them for brain health. You need them. Healthy fats can help reduce inflammation a little bit. Um, not like you sprain your ankle, you eat an avocado and suddenly your ankle swelling goes down, but <laughs> systemic throughout your body. Um, it helps inflammation kind of day to day. So you need those in there. Um, just kind of choose wisely where you put them in your, in your meal. A lot of times I will have people add them to their supper, mm -hmm. to their nighttime meal, because like we were talking about earlier with that propensity for that nighttime snacking, mm -hmm. fats are another thing that help keep you full. So if you're having plenty of protein, some healthy fat, lots of fruits and veggies at your supper time, mm -hmm. then the chances of you being physiologically hungry before you go to bed or less, okay, if that's kind of your goal. Or maybe you'll be able to make a more conscious decision about your snack later because you're not just like ravenous. Yeah. You're just like a little bit hungry. Yeah. So I heard that this is one of those myths that, that are probably, you know, we get to decide. A lot of times, some of our decisions are just based on things that we've heard that have no foundation or they do, but in the end, the biggest thing is what do you think about it? And if you're gonna make a change, and stick to it. That's a huge thing right there. But I, one of the things that I've heard that I've thought about is if you eat right before bed, your body's taking the time to process that food instead of taking care of repairing like the brain functioning and all the system functioning of the body. Is that you had said earlier that that's just not the case. I've never read any research that actually says that. Um, the one thing you want to be careful of is having a heavy meal right before you go to bed, mm -hmm. simply because some people will get nighttime reflux mm -hmm. that they don't even know is happening because normally if you're upright, gravity is helping your digestive system mm -hmm. as you go from, you know, esophagus, stomach, small intestine. 
you eat a really large, particularly fatty meal because fat stays in your stomach longer and now you lay down, mm -hmm. you lost the help of gravity. And so some people who have a little bit of reflux anyway, they can get worse at night and back up into their esophagus because they just laid down and they may be asleep. So they may not even know that they're doing that damage. But that honestly, that's the only thing really. Okay. Well, that's good to know. And, yeah. and one of the things that I, I keep suggesting is that find these ideas, get these plans. And then the biggest thing is just stick to it. Find a way that you can stay, stay with your goals that you can mm -hmm. show up for yourself and do what you say you're going to do for yourself. Cause that also builds the confidence that underlying, mm -hmm. Hey, I'm a person who eats this way because it gives me the energy. I want to do all these things during the day instead mm -hmm. of, I just eat based on how I feel right now in the moment, you know, totally yeah. different lifestyles. Yep. And it's a matter of learning how to control what you, what you want because of the thoughts that you have about food. And I think the more information, the more education we get about how the foods are impacting our bodies, mm -hmm. it's easier to make those choices of, well, I want to actually have the energy to show up for me and be the best version of me. But is there anything else? I know that this has been a little bit longer for you. If there's anything else that you can think that might help the athletes or just the general population and maybe some of the myths that, that I've heard like that one, like don't eat before bed, yeah. you're not gonna, you're not gonna heal. I, one other thing I thought is that sometimes I don't, we're aware, like you said, of the reflux. We're not as aware when we're eating a lot of food that doesn't fuel our bodies of mm -hmm. what might actually, when you said maybe sometimes, Dairy might not be great for you. It might be great for you. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But if you're always eating dairy, sometimes you don't know that, hey, maybe you have more energy when you're not eating as much. Yeah. The awareness um, of your body. Absolutely. I have athletes who don't know what good feels like. Exactly. Um, absolutely. I get, because I'm at a big SEC school, most of the people that are coming to me are just genetically hit the lottery. Okay. <laughs> so I have athletes that come and, you know, they're crushing it at their sport. And so in their mind, like, why would I ever change anything? Right. Right. Cause I'm they winning. it's already work, <laughs> working. Why would I change it? When yeah, exactly. They could like, actually be so much better if they were to like, yeah. Hey, what if this isn't the best thing for me? Correct. And so one of my favorite things that happens sometimes in my job is when I get somebody who comes in like that, Mm -hmm. has no desire to change, thinks they're doing great, even though they're eating out and having fried chicken and fries and pop every night after practice, or, you know, the Wendy's, you know, four for four, whatever it is. <laughs> and I can get them to like, even just improve a little bit. And like then they come in and they're like, like, oh maybe, my gosh. Yeah. Maybe try to feel better. And I just, hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're starting to understand. Um, but no, I've totally had 18, 19 year olds come to me who have no idea what feeling good feels like because they're, they've never done anything except for, you know, how they eat and how they don't sleep. I've had people that, you know, they're used to five hours a night of sleep and I finally convinced them like, okay, no, like we got to work this up to eight or nine hours and, you know, and holy cow. Totally so everything. And when you think that you're at the top of the game, there's always something because there's never a top. That's what I always think. There's yeah. never a top of your game. You could be the number one star for years, and there's so much more potential in you than you ever mm -hmm. realized because you're like, yeah. well, I'm satisfied here because I'm winning. Why would I do, like we said, why would I yeah. do anything different when it's more of a, what else am I capable of? Not comparing right. myself to the next guy. It's what, what more could I do? Mm -hmm. And if sleep was the one thing that boosted your energy to get yeah. you to be an even more competitive athlete nationally and internet, why not? Right. Else your yeah. I actually stood up in front of one of, um, one of my teams at the beginning of the year for, for a team talk. 
And I just looked at him because they're one of my ones that kind of drag their feet a little bit and don't want to change. Yeah. And I just looked at him and I said, you're an SEC athlete. Everybody's good. Yeah. So if you want to be great, if you want to set yourself apart, you're going to have to start doing the details exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to do it consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, if sleep and hydration and nutrition are things that you're willing to work on and become excellent at, then come work with me because that's something that can set you apart in, you know, events that are one in tenths of a second at a high level, you're going to have to do something different and better than the rest of your competition because you're all incredibly talented at this point. Yeah. You go to the teams and if you're on a division one school, if you're at this certain level, Mm -hmm. you're not competing against the best. Everybody's the best yes. at that level. And so mm-hmm. what's going to set, we call it as a judge, because I was a USA, USA yeah. judge, we call it the separators. What's going to yeah. separate you from the one, if you have two beautiful routines, how are you mm-hmm. going to tell the difference? It's going to be the tiny little separator. Yep. The yeah. artistry. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the quarter, like the little half tent things. Yep. Yeah, I love that you use the word excellence. And what are you going to do that you're going to have to become excellent in some of the habits that you create mm-hmm. instead of just maintaining what you have. There's some things you're going to have to tweak to not be perfect, like the 90-10 rule that you were saying, but yeah. be excellent at the 90-10 rule. Absolutely. So, yeah. okay, I love it. So I think we're going to close up, but um, if you okay. have one thing, just one thing that you, sure. hey, this is going to be the one thing that just- Yes, you warned off. me about this one, so yeah. I thought about it. <laughs> yeah, I, didn't give you, I didn't give you much warning about anything, except for I said, hey, pick one thing that you'd want to share with everybody. Yes. Be a, a okay. My one grand tip to help you stick with your goals and succeed is meal prep. Mm. And that is so like, not even like a cool earth shattering thing, but if you don't plan, you will not be able to stick it out. Um, as part of just the lifestyle change that you have to choose to make in your life, you have to, you know, if you get home at night and you don't have anything semi ready, Mm -hmm. you're probably going to not eat well. And if you back up even further, you needed to think about the groceries that you needed to buy and then go actually purchase them. And then when you get them in your home, you got to cut up the vegetables so that you're actually going to eat them. You need to, you know, prep your chicken, cook it all at once. So it's not raw when you get home and you're starving after work. It's actually cooked. And you just need to pop in the microwave or put it in a pan if you don't like microwaves, you know, whatever, whatever it is. But honestly, my athletes and the other people that I've worked with who meal prep and, you know, whatever that looks like for them, obviously I've got all these, you know, single 18 year old athletes or, you know, maybe people with families, it looks very different because what an athlete's going to make that's going to last them five meals is going to be one meal for a family. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you can make it work. you got to plan ahead and you don't have to meal prep and you will be so much more sustainably successful. I love it. I think that is absolutely, I 100% agree with you. It's all about the preparation if you want to make a change. Thank mm-hmm. you. I love it. So yeah. if anybody wanted to get a hold of you, Rebecca, how would they do yeah. that? Um, email would be best, honestly. Okay. Um, do you want me to say it here or do you just want to link yeah, it later? Tell it to okay. us right now and then we'll okay. also, I'm going to put everything in the show notes and then Rebecca, I think you were going to share something with us too that maybe I could give to everybody. Yes. I was going to type that out afterwards so I could kind of summarize what we talked about. Beautiful. We would <laughs> yeah. love it. And then if you guys want that, the quick tips that Rebecca is going to offer, yeah. just go to the show notes and I will have a link to that and you can get that directly if you, and I will also put her contact information on there, but go ahead and tell us how people can get a hold of you. Yeah, so email is um, Rebecca Sue, so it's R E B E C C A S U E 92, and then it's just at gmail.com. Perfect. Um, and I have an Instagram that I occasionally post um, like recipes and that kind of stuff on. It's 
I do a variety, but it's um, the more you know, spelled like my last name. So T-H-E-M-O-O-R-E, uh -huh. the more you know, 92 um, is my um, Instagram. And that is one of my big things, is the more you know, the better yeah. inspiration you'll get for yourself. The more there you want to understand why your brain and your chemicals and everything works, the more you'll be like, well, then why am I doing this? So I yeah. Instagram, that's awesome. The more <laughs> you know, M-O-O-R-E for more. That makes yeah. sense. <laughs> okay, so hey, I, say, I can't take credit. One of my friends came up with that. Well, it would tell him it was brilliant. Okay. Totally fits you. <laughs> hey, Perfect. thank you, Becca. I love this time with you. I so appreciate that you would take the time to help these athletes and all the moms and dads that mm -hmm. parents of athletes, it makes a difference for the athletes if you know what's going to help them too. I didn't yeah. have parents that knew those things. Granted, my parents, they were amazing. And luckily, we didn't have a lot of food options growing up. So I wasn't just overeating till I got to college. Then it was a yeah. crazy but, um, but I think that all this information is pertainable to everybody. So thank you, Rebecca. I really appreciate your time. You're welcome. Hey, we'll hopefully get you on here again sometime. Okay. Hey, bye, Rebecca. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining me today. If you enjoyed listening or have questions about something you heard on this podcast, go to Flippin' Awesome Coaching to get your questions answered. Thanks for sharing this episode with your friends. Have a flippin' awesome week. Bye.